trees, they're walking. We are walking our trees, walking our trees, walking. We're walking. I'll keep it going. You something. I think it fades out on its own. I'd keep it up if I could, but I can't. It's going away. It's, it's disappearing. Anyway, that's stay right. there, stay there, stay there. <laughs> I couldn't. It's gone. That's all we have. Hey, everyone. This is like trees walking. I am Michael J. Nelson, and I am David Berge. Um, David, what's this podcast about? This podcast is about the big, 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 big questions of life, faith, theology, philosophy, theosophy, um, sophistry, uh, foods, foodstuffs. Are they good or not? Very important. These are large issues. Huge issues. Um, we take them on uh, from our own perspective. Uh, we, we, we take these things seriously, but not ourselves. And uh, we have fun as we talk about this and invite everyone. We're Christians, but we say, hey, listen, we think this is interesting stuff to talk about. Maybe things that you've thought about, wondered about. This is us um, sharing our thoughts and conversating our way through them in a way that we hope is interesting and edifying um, and useful to you. Very well done. You pass. Um, have you ever considered the, the moniker? Um, it's David Paul Berge, right? Yeah. PDPD, PDPB? That's pretty good. Pastor David Paul Berge? PDPB? Yeah, PDPB. Never consider. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. PDPB. Yeah. That sounds horrible. No, it's it's PDPB. charming. No, it's not charming. It's, <laughs> it does. It's, uh, now that I hear it, it does sound like something the Teletubbies would say or something. <laughs> yeah. PDPB. La la, PDPB. <laughs> oh, the Teletubbies is now a 30-year-old reference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. The, uh, one of my favorite, uh, like... <laughs> um, memes or something that i saw somewhere was when there you know it was like the the big uh the big eclipse the big solar eclipse you know there's a total one the zone of totality one and it's like this is what you see when you look at the sun when you stare directly into the sun and it was just a picture of that baby in the teletubbies (laughs) 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 oh uh anyway we we are going to talk about a big issue today and uh and then a little bit later we have a story time with with Michael Mike, J. Nelson. Yeah, we get to hear one of Mike's many. Mike is a raconteur. Many interesting things have happened to him. Many so. sad and tragic <laughs> and weird things have happened to me. I think I've recounted all my being accosted at gunpoint stories, yep. of which there are more than one. <laughs> uh, and uh, this one is a, a brush with fame. Mm. Brush with fame. So that's uh, that's coming up. Uh, and I hope you probably have a brush. With I fame. do. I, you know, as we were as we were kind of thinking about this right before we came on air, I thought of my own brush with fame. Everybody has one. I just met a fella who um, was in a, uh, a bathroom next to Bob Dole, former candidate for president. How did he know he was next to Bob Dole? <laughs> he saw him go in, and oh. then and then he heard things. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Yeah. Um, anyway, I won't go. This is a family show. Uh, uh, so yeah, so brush brushes with fame later. But first, hey, Bob Dole's still alive, by the way. He as is, of the recording of this podcast, there exists a photo of me with Bob Dole, by the way. Uh, and during the meeting, he insulted uh, my clothing. I was with more than another person, so he said, "Oh, you guys really dressed up for me, huh?" It's like I didn't even know I was meeting him. It was just like this impromptu, like a guy knew him and said, "Oh, hey, come here and meet Bob Dole." And he just immediately snapped into 
politician thing and like posed with us. Now you stand there and you go over here and you look, okay, now smile everyone. And that was about it. Um, said a couple things. Was that Norm MacDonald who did the Bob Dolan? <laughs> yes. He did a great Bob Dolan impersonation. Yeah. Oh, those are the, the uh, golden Bob Dole, years. Bob Dole. Oh, that yeah. was so good. Bob Dole on the real world. A classic. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, that is good stuff. We're hopefully going to bring you good stuff. With, uh, now our big topic. Our big topic. Should I set this up? You set it up. You're you're the devil's advocate. Okay. This, I'm going to play devil's advocate for this one. <laughs> Pastor, what say you to this? This seems to be a, a common objection. You know, you you Christians, you talk about your charity and, and doing good works, and uh, didn't Jesus talk about the poor a lot, and uh, you should take care of the poor? And then I watch as you build these big, shiny buildings— you know, with coffee shops and books, uh, bookstores in them, and climbing walls, and some of those mega churches, uh, couldn't all of that? You can't. You just meet in a, in Joe's garage, you know, rent it out on Sundays when he's not open. Why do you need these buildings? Aren't you wasting that money that could go to the poor pastor? If that really is your name, <laughs> PDP. If you PDP. really are P D P B P D P B. All right. So there it is. So Mike, explain yourself. Explain okay. you people. Okay. So let's let's just calm down. Let's ratchet it down. A few no, minutes. I'm sorry. I'm hot. I'm <laughs> going to get in your face a little bit. Okay. Here. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Separate us. Okay. okay. So, Michael, advocate on behalf of the devil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, Boy, when you put it that way, I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, you raise what is a good point, and this is not just something that's raised by people who are skeptical of Christianity. This is something that a certain stripe of Christian also raises, and it's not an unfair objection to say to think about uh, the outlet, the church as an organization. How do we allocate our resources and towards what? That is a completely fair question to think about. Um, and I will say that I'm not uh, I'm not doctrinaire on the question of where should a church meet. Um, you know, like uh, uh, meeting in a school, meeting in a theater, meeting in a Joe's garage, meeting in a theater. I, I mean, like a, like I meant like a movie theater versus like a stage kind of theater, or meeting in any kind of like a light industrial space that you turn into something. I mean, uh, churches making use of any sort of venue that they can, um, I think, is a completely fine thing. You see that as a a trend, especially in newer churches. Um, church plants, like you just kind of go where the space is, what, what, what kind of a room can hold a hundred people um, and, and do the kind of things that you do in a worship service. I was just at one. I was out in uh, California for a month, so we went to a church that happened to be very near my house that was in a community theater space, Yeah. So, which is yeah, not that uncommon, but uh, I find that sort of odd to, you know, the, the uh, you know, Going, pardon me, excuse me, I have to get into my seat over here. Yeah. There's a weird function of church, like going to the theater and holding on to your little brochure. It's like, oh, I'm going to see a play today. You're, it's you're, called church. Your you're playbill. <laughs> but it was, it was a great church. But yeah, they just, uh, you know, it was sort of ad hoc. Here's a space. Here we go. Yep. And there's nothing, you know, prescriptive about it in, in the New Testament. We see folks basically meeting where, um, wherever they can. Now, that's my that's my big caveat, which is this thing like I'm not doctrinaire whatsoever. However, I do not think that um, churches building buildings. And I'm not. You know, I mean, uh, 
and this is even I'm think I'm going to think particularly of my own context. Um, I mean, there is the big mega 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 right, and where there's sort of like these are um, not necessarily they don't connote sort of if you're driving up to them from uh, far away or they don't denote. Sorry, they don't denote um, like sacred spaces or something like that. Like they look like an REI or, um, you know, some other sort of like big box thing. And so when you're out where the land is cheap and, uh, you know, you can build things like, like you can't build things like that. But when I think particularly, I'm thinking of traditional, you know, really what we would call, you know, traditional church spaces. So probably anything in my book, uh, up to about 1950, I think quote unquote, the kind of modern twist, like everything did was any beautiful building built like in the sixties or seventies. Oh, some of those churches built in that the sweet spot of of horrible architecture just yeah. depress me when I go. In. They might be the worst thing. Um, with respect, this church has closed now, um, but there was a Lutheran church off just off of Highway 100 near Benilde St. Margaret in Minneapolis. I think it was called the Lutheran Church of the Reformation, and it was built in the I believe in the 50s, and it was an it was a brutalist architecture church, and I thought the person who built this like. Though they might have been, it seemed like they hated God, like because you're you're just in this space, and and I, there was a, a kind of a cool church that met there for a while before the building was since has been sold off, um, and the Lutheran Church of the Reformation is closed. But uh, like it was so ugly, it was this ugly box without windows and light, and so I'm not I I'd much rather meet Stalin in a, era. It kind was of. <laughs> it was Stalin esque, truly. You know, if I so I'd much rather meet in a big you know, mega church warehouse theater than some brutalist, horrible, uh, box. There's even one, um, it's like the Jehovah Lutheran church. Actually, so if you're driving over the Minnesota state fair, this is hyper local podcast content, yeah. but that is another example where it's really, it's a brutalist architecture church. I have no opinion whatsoever about, I'm sure it's a wonderful church, wonderful community filled with wonderful people. And this is just the building that their ancestors yeah. decided to build in the 1960s. But man, so where you meet, matters like n- no matter what so it has to serve the functions of a church but the aesthetic quality is also i think um and, and the architecture also reflects a theological reality like there is a reason when people visit europe what's one of the main places that people go they go to the cathedrals why do they go to the cathedrals michael because they're a, a thing of beauty they're a thing of wonder and so you walk around and you, you and then you look at your little brochure and see how they were built and what that signifies and and so, uh, and th- there was much more poverty in in the world yeah. when those things were built. I mean, the, the, it's incomparable the standard of living between, you know, medieval Europe and modern uh, the modern West. And so, these folks they weren't just doing it because they were stupid or benighted or whatever. They were building. They were using their efforts to build something beautiful that was enduring because that reflected their understanding of of the order of the universe and what was of enduring lasting uh utmost value and so uh you know much like today we love our you know you if you you know you've made it as a city when you have a really beautiful skyline you know and so it's like ah, minneapolis well couldn't they not have built the id whatever i don't know what's called now but the ids tower and the u.s bank building and uh, the u.s bank stadium you know these things that really stick out for us couldn't we have just saved all that money and given it to the poor it's like well yeah of course but something about these buildings re- reflects um, kind of the values of, of, of the age. And I would say of churches, 
um, continuing to invest in the spaces and the building they built, like these have an enduring value and quality as being the types of spaces where people can gather and um, and they reflect their their they reflect their theology, and so that that spaces um, aren't just neutral, but they're actually can be formative. And poor people, as much as anyone, deserve uh, beautiful spaces too, right? Like like eth- part of beauty is that's not just like life is not this utilitarian affair where it's just about getting gruel in your mouth and <laughs> you know and and a burlap sack on your body, you know. Like it, it, it's it's about creating things of value, worth, and beauty because that is reflective of who we are as creatures of God. And when you read scripture. A lot of, I mean, you know, you're reading your way through the, uh, you know, through the Old Testament. You get an exodus, and it's this exciting, you know, liberation story. You know, the Egyptian armies drown in the sea. They go out in the wilderness, and then you get a bunch of chapters about how we should exactly measure out and build this tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And then you get all of these instructions and descriptions later on um, in the Solomonic era of this is what the temple is supposed to look like. And so this is how the sacrifices are supposed to be offered. And so... Um, the place where worship occurs is something that is extremely important um, within the biblical narrative itself. And so the same thing can be true um, for churches today, that that there's a connection between where we worship and the character of our theology, certainly, and also, I think, church buildings being in the same place. Like, there is an enduring presence within the community. There's a message that a church building stands by being there. Yeah, and I... It, Interesting thing. There's there's two points I thought of. I first of all, people raising this objection. I guess the fair thing would be, well, should we go then to the the uh, uh, cathedral of Saint Sebastian and pry the windows out and uh, you know sell those Auction off? off? Yeah, yeah, or melt them down? I don't know. What, maybe just sell them for scrap and then give that to the poor. And uh, and you could see a parallel with people don't want. Anytime that an old historical building is like, look, it's not working anymore, you'll get people coming together, signing petitions, going, no, it's a thing that we that we value aesthetically, and it makes much more sense utilitarian-wise to rip it down and put in the Marshall Field or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think to name a uh, no longer... In- <laughs> no, I think, Mike, you meant a Carson Peary Scott. <laughs> yes. A famous bar <laughs> for you people in the South. Um yeah, so the, the, it seems like there's a there's a uh, a dichotomy between those two things. Wanting this preservation, but you could make the same totili- the same utilitarian arguments about virtually any building. So, so this is beauty is part of what makes you know it makes life worth living, and um, uh, certainly you know an, an overemphasis or an overinvestment on um, in, in a church. It's like the worship space itself. I think you know. It, should be a thing of beauty and you know having a clean like comfortable nice space for people to gather that's absolutely um that's absolutely fine and is you know not just a a resource to the church community but uh, but to the community writ large you know and i will say it is a challenge this is something i think about um you know given given the context in which you know uh, i pastor and, and and we do churches that yeah how do we how do we be good stewards of, you know, 20th century buildings? In this case, you know, we're not even talking about the great, beautiful old cathedrals. We're just talking about, you know, a pr- I would say like a pretty nice church building from the earliest, earliest part of the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, do, how, are, how do we steward that resource well so that we are, you know, it's not just sitting big and empty and decaying with deferred maintenance, but 
maximizing its use for the good of the church and uh, and of the community that we want to um, bless with God's grace, love, and, and and the gospel. Like that is a live question, and so that requires some creativity. And I mean, I was just in your, you know, I was in one of your favorite towns, Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, went there for a trip. And my wife and I were staying on the east side of town. And I, one thing I was just struck by was all of these old churches, and many of them were closed, like or gone. And there was this one, um, this one that wasn't closed, but had been. It was, I think, it was the Tulip Street United Methodist Church, which is now uh, there's a vineyard church that meets there, like Nashville Vineyard or something like that. And this this is one of the coolest buildings I've ever seen. Actually, it just took me aback. Looked like, I mean, I think it was like 18, maybe 1860s, 1880s or something, that era of church um, architecture, which I really like. And it was just a stunning building. And, and someone bought it for almost a couple million bucks, I read in the news. And who knows what they're going to do with it. They're at least allowing a church to continue to meet there and it needs a lot of upkeep, but it's like, man, would it be, would it have been better for that building to never have existed? Or would it be better to turn that into lofts or, you know, not have a church? And I was like, no, 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 no. There's, there's this part of our, our humanity that wants to connect with God. And those spaces speak to that in a way that like nothing else does. So it's not a waste. Um, it's a beautiful act of worship that is valuable to everyone who gathers who gathers there. And I don't think like and forms the types of communities who are incredibly generous to the poor. And so this isn't some zero sum game. I think that a lot of times we fall fall into these fallacies of thinking of this world as this zero sum thing. If you're spending money here, then you're not spending money right. there. You know, and, and that's just not the case. Um that's just not the case at all. And beauty is itself a gift of God and an expression of who God has created us to be. And so that is my defense of, um, that is my defense of the churches. It's not a, you know, edifice, edifice complex. It's, 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 it's not that. And of course, you know, there can be situations where money is wasted or you shouldn't spend money on this X, Y, or Z, but abuse does not negate proper use. That's just right. the, the old saying that I, that I, that I go by. Well, let's get uh, specific now. The Crystal Cathedral, ah, <laughs> which in its current, I mean, it's still there, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's not. Uh, I think it's doing. It's, it's, it's actually. I think the like Archdiocese of Orange County or something bought it. Right. So that, was that was recent. That was recent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did that? Uh, who Who was the one who? Bob, Robert Schuler. Robert Schuler. I, I never. I get those guys mixed up. Oral Roberts. Robert Schuler. <laughs> yes. Um. What do, what do you think about that building? I've never I've never really gotten a good enough look at it to to it's my impression from watching like ten minutes of the Hour of Power or whatever on TV was that it was reminded me of the bringing it back hyperlocal the Crystal Court at the IDS oh, yes. tower like it sort of reminded me of that which <laughs> yeah. which I li- I do kind of like that yeah um so I think if if we're talking about like a modern sort of space like that that's probably like the kind that I have a higher tolerance for. Do you think that there were smart Alex back in the eighties who would bring in their crystal Pepsi into the crystal cathedral? I sure as heck hope so. Do a little <laughs> like head tilt towards uh, Robert Schuler. Huh? Huh? Get it? Yeah. No. <laughs> and I, the, um, I'm saying I would have done that. As you well. definitely would. And at, at Princeton university. So I went to Princeton seminary in no way affiliated with Princeton university. Um, just, just, I don't want to, why, why are they named the same? Uh, cause they, cause the one was formed out of the other, like 
they formed the theological graduate school. And then they had a, a bitter fight, and they drew a line down the middle of their room, and they said, don't you dare cross this. Yeah, sort Stay of. on your side. But Princeton University built in the 1920s or 30s this amazing, their chapel is amazing. And uh, one, of, uh, one of my seminary, uh, he was a cl- not a classmate, he finished right before me, and now he's a PhD in art history. But he made this self-guided tour, which is amazing. It's called An Argument in Stone and Glass. And so, like, you know, even in that era, um, there was this, you know, move towards hyper skeptical, you know, approach in the university and rationalism and, you know, the sort of old, you know, dowdy, you know, people like the, the church and, and school needed to be separated, they thought. And the religious purpose was, you know, a relic of a, of a stupider age. And so they needed to move on from it. And so in the midst of that era and that move, you have this huge investment made in this church. That's basically, a, I mean, it's basically a cathedral on campus. It's incredible. And, and, uh, and this guy I went to seminary with uh, did this great tour. And he was just talking about how this itself was said, no, this architecture here and the windows in it, like they bespeak these eternal theological truths that we believe will endure and need to be at the heart of the education and formation of every, at that point, young man who comes through this school. And so, yes, in this marketplace of ideas that is the university, the the church, the, the, the chapel, the cathedral stands there at the center of the campus and says, like, w- within this building are contained, um, you know, the, the deepest riches of human uh, learning and it's connected to our our worship and service of the divine, and so I thought right there. I mean, you know, you think about how much money it costs to build that thing. It's on. It would just boggle belief. Probably impossible. Yeah. At, at this point. At this point in time, I mean, we're I mean, yeah hundreds. You know, of like over a hundred million dollars. I'm sure to build this place, and it's just outstanding. And it's like to think about a place. Was that a waste of money? Absolutely not. It's a beautiful um, monument to God's glory. And, and a beautiful presence in the midst of this, you know, secular university of, of uh, sacred truth. So, All right, there you go. Well argued. Um, I'm talking with the devil, and we'll get back to you. We'll <laughs> How see did I do? whether or not you convinced him. I have to submit a full report, and then it, this is a whole <laughs> deal. So much bureaucracy. Uh, anyway, we'll take a quick break. You'll, you'll hear from the pastor, and then we'll be back with uh, thrilling tales uh, from both of us, of our brushes. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save mine. Oh, you're going to save it? Oh, I think that's it's we, that good. I thought maybe it's it was not just, that good, but no, it's good know, enough to like talk about for 10 minutes. Like you ran into uh, Lori Lachlan and a. No, I, a, I acted with someone. Oh, okay. Well, then save that. Oh, I got to okay. save it. Oh, this All is right, a, that's good a good one. teaser because yeah. that's going to keep people over till the next podcast. But anyway, hang around uh, after the break and there's something to. My Brush with Fame, and uh, we'll be right back, like trees walking. Hey, friends. It's Pastor Dave here. I just want to thank you so much for taking this time out of your busy day to listen to Like Trees Walking, your favorite podcast in the universe. You know, we want to show you the love and... We want you to show us the love. One way you could do that is rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if in some of those other more obscure podcast uh, listening applications, if there's a way to rate us and review us there too, could you go ahead and do it? 
Also, of course, you can find us at ltwpod.com. We have a Facebook page you can like. You can subscribe to our email list. Where I'm going to send out an email just after this saying, hey, folks, we're not dead. We're actually releasing another podcast. And so that kind of high-quality, irregular email you're going to be able to get if you sign up for our list. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we love doing this for you. Um, love all of the very thoughtful um, you know, responses and feedback that we get. And so thank you. Please, please know uh, that we do it. We do it for you. Now let's get back to the pod. Okay, we are back. Thank you, Pastor, for that. You're welcome. I'm excited. And thank you for your defense. Uh, the devil remains unconvinced. Um, but nice try. Thank you. Nice try. That's why he's, the, he's pretty contrarian. Um, plus, he's so busy these days, too. He didn't have time. Anyway, uh, anything to add to it? Or let's, let's just get into no, thrilling go, tales. Yeah, Mike, you are an interesting man. You've lived an interesting life so far. And uh, this is one of your tales. Tales of a brush with fame. A brush... And not just a single brush, but I feel like there was two, at least two, maybe three brushes out where you were brushing with fame. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the time. I'll, I'll frame it as this. It's the time I was sitting with a famous person and uh, another famous group of people uh, almost got in a fist fight with me. And it's, it, it goes like this. I, back in the day, I worked for a, for a TV show that um, uh, we, we, I had a character obsessed with Kim Cattrall of Sex and the City fame. At the time, she was... She was... I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff. She she was like one of the the uh, last of the studio players Wait, like when she that? was really young. She was just owned by like Universal Studios, and so she'll be in old Columbo episodes when she's like 19 or oh, something. Wow. Yeah, so she's she's been around for a while. Um, what else was she in? Well, she was in Mannequin. That's where I saw her. The movie Mannequin. With, I, which I'm not familiar with at all. She's a, she's a magical mannequin who... Um, what's his name? Andrew McCarthy falls in love with, uh, with a mannequin. And hijinks ensue. James Spader, the great James oh, Spader. Oh, the great James Spader. Is in, 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 plays a ridiculous... Embarrasses himself <laughs> in it. A self-own, as we say, from James Spader. One of my favorite... Nickelodeon shows grow up. It might have been a Canadian show. It was called Today's Special, and it was all about a mannequin who came to life oh. in a department. And it was a kid's show. So what was, year was this? This was the 80s. Like, this oh, would have so been... Was a, it was contemporaneous. Mid-80s. Yeah. There's a lot of mannequins coming A lot of mannequins were in the air. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had one of our characters obsessed with Kim Cattrall as just a character, character trait, and he did a song. He sang about her, and he would talk about mannequin all the time, and... Uh, her publicist got a hold of it and said, oh, can't, you'll love the show. And she watched it and she sent roses to this character who was a puppet, which is kind of adorable. And so uh, just coincidentally, we were going to be in Hollywood and she said, oh, we should have lunch or dinner or something. So we, we did. So uh, Was this hard to set up or was this easy? It, it was easy. It, it ended up being fairly awkward because you know it's you think it's going to be fun but then you have to actually make conversation with this person so, uh... only connected by the fact that you know so mannequin that was yeah i really really like that movie <laughs> um so we're at the the beverly hills uh hotel the famous old uh hotel and we're at this table trying to make this small talk and i suddenly look over and notice at the table next to me there's a guy with cowboy boots up on the table and there's a group of guys talking, and, and I look over, and one of the guys has a T-shirt with our logo on it. Now, 
we weren't. What are the odds? We're we're nobody. So the, I mean, seeing a, the, your own logo in the wild was was kind of cool. So I get the attention of the other guys, that, you know, who were there, and I go, look, at this, check it out. So everyone starts peering. We we were very modest. We had a tiny logo. Uh, we didn't have, you know, it was just this little badge on the shirt, and so we were looking closely. And the guy with his cowboy boots up on the table suddenly stomps him on the ground and goes, what the hell are you looking at? <laughs> I was like, oh, you, you, you and I, I'm pointing, trying to explain, like, that guy sitting there is like, yeah, what about that guy sitting there? And the chair gets pushed back and he starts walking over like, no, 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 he's, he's wearing a t-shirt and we're the guys from the TV show. And then so, this guy suddenly looks over and it's, it's Brooks and Dunn and it's, I don't know, kicks Brooks, who's about to punch me. <laughs> and uh, and it was his manager was wearing the T-shirt. And he goes, oh, no, I know who you are. And then he came over and he, so we had a nice chat with him. Well, he sat down, but I still think he was not convinced <laughs> that I wasn't there to pick a fight with him or stare at him or whatever. And so he continued to kind of gaze over. Like, I think he was still game if, yeah, I, if like, I had I... been... If I had been ready to go, I think either Brooks or Dunn, maybe Brooks and Dunn would have. Uh, How did you find out that it was thrown? Brooks and Dunn? Well, we we then sat with the manager for like five minutes as he he said, "Oh, I love it. Oh, and Kim Cattrall. Oh, and you did the song." And so he put it all together, and he was all thrilled. Like he's, he's was Kim Cattrall a Brooks and Dunn fan? Uh, she knew who they were once they were, but you know, once they were introduced. What um, is a Brooks and Dunn song? I mean, they were very. I think Root Scoot and Boogie or something like that, which I only know because someone referenced it the other day. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Root Scoot and Boogie. <laughs> yeah. Something, something kind of like weird. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, if that's true, I'll close out the show with. Uh, I would love with boot boot Scoot and Boogie. Boot Scoot and yeah, Root Boot Scoot and Boogie. Yeah. Does that sound right? That Does sounds that... totally right. I think that... I do hope it's by Brooks and Dunn. I certainly hope. Who is so. the real talent? Brooks Between... or Dunn? It's Kicks Brooks, right? And then what's Dunn's name? Charlie? Nora? No. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look that. We don't do that. We, we make a point to stay in ignorance during the show. But anyway, so, uh, you know, that's, I think that, that crossover is a pretty, makes for a pretty good tale of Hollywood, right? I don't have many of them. How did you end the like, lunch? Was it just like, great to see you? Like, good, all, all the best? With Kim Cattrall? Yeah. It was, uh, as I said, it was awkward. Uh, I think it was over fairly quickly. Um, there were several embarrassing details that I won't go into. I'll <laughs> protect you? her privacy. <laughs> what did she or What did she eat? I I don't remember. What did you eat? What are you? T- well, you're meeting Kim Cattrall. This is a huge deal. I I, I ate uh, you know chicken wings. My face was all covered in uh, <laughs> hot sauce and <laughs> and dip. Uh, I have no idea what I ate. How would I remember that? just seems like something you'd want to capture in your mind forever. Uh, on that same trip, I saw, um, who was it? Um, 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 one of the old, an old Hollywood starlet who I could have sworn she was so old and so facelifted that she looked like a Jim Henson creation. <laughs> and I was like, you could almost see the cable snaking down behind her. I forget who it was. Uh, but there was, that, at the Beverly Hills Hotel back in that day, you could pretty much see... There was a lot of power players, but maybe older, older generation. Some younger, like yeah. like your Brooks and Dunn like your Brooks and, your and Kim <laughs> uh, Anyway, that's my uh, kicks Brooks and Ronnie Dunn. Ronnie, Ronnie and kicks. 
Well, guys, if you're out there still, I'm sorry. Sorry, we almost had fisticuffs at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We'd love to have you on to hear your version of the story, too. <laughs> they would go, I have no idea who, what you're talking who's about. Who's that? And who cares? Now, let's do some boot scootin' boogie. <laughs> um, so there you go. And we're going to hear your tale on another episode. On another episode. This is a, a, a new uh, a good department, because I think I have just a couple more. This is exciting. This is like your scary, like we're just, uh, it's like the scary tales. We're just starting to unravel. Yeah. Once you, once you break in, like it's just, there's more will keep coming and flowing out. Yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, I think that's all we have for you on Like Trees Walking, unless you have some big important topic you want to raise with the minute we have left. (laughs) No, I have nothing I want to raise. Thank you for listening. Uh, Support your local church building. I know it's always, and I think too, my last word is this. That um, especially, you know, in the city of Minneapolis, like maybe in the last, you know, 50 years, there's been like four new church buildings built. I mean, because it's cost prohibitive now and land and all, you know, X, Y and Z reasons. And I just always think it's sad when these beautiful old buildings close and then they get torn down or they get converted into condos. And it's like each one is a precious resource because it's extremely scarce and limited. And and I just am thinking of this, especially because I have a, a friend. Um, whose church is like the building that they're meeting in is being sold and it's very close to where we meet. And it's this beautiful, I mean, this beautiful old um, church, especially on the inside. I mean, just this gorgeous sanctuary. And it's like, well, what's it going to be now? Like someone's condo with like a Pilates studio or a yoga, you know, it's like, it's probably going to be, if I know uh, uh, it craft brewing is what it's going to be. It could because be. I, uh, there is one, we went to one in Cincinnati and I was going to say, well, this is, you know, this is a lateral move here. I yeah. like I like them both. I like them both a lot. And when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, right. It's never going to turn back. Exactly. Like, well, we just re- re- reconverted it, like, yeah. you know. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Pastor. And uh, thanks to all of you who listen. And thanks to uh, Kix and Ronnie. Um, we'll see you again soon on Like Trees Walking. Whiskey